I'm making that decision because I need to make it, but I am making that with all the good intentions. I think that's one thing that helps me as well. Like you said, sometimes it can be uncomfortable, but if you have the pure intentions in your heart, I think it will be easier for you to make that decision. Welcome to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast, where IT and digital leaders from around the world talk about their careers, their inspiration, and their vision for the future of digital business. I'm your host, David Wright. The world of digital business is evolving faster than ever, and I want this to be a place where digital business champions create a village to band together and help each other navigate the ever-changing terrain. Disruptive Innovators features conversations with CIOs and digital leaders from around the world, diving into their personal backstory, career, their current role, trends they've been seeing, and their vision for the future, personally, professionally, and otherwise. This podcast is made for people who are seeing how quickly the digital business landscape is evolving. Those who recognize that it takes a village of trusted advisors to navigate this ever-changing terrain. People who enjoy listening to high-level discussions surrounding what it means to be a leader, real-world examples of challenges faced, and industry-specific strategies leveraged to create exceptional business outcomes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net. Good morning, friends. David Wright here, and I am your host of the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast. This morning, I am lucky enough to be joined by Rolando Cabral. Rolando, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. For those of our listeners who might not know, Rolando, could you tell everyone a little bit about your current role? Currently, I'm the Chief Information and Transformation Officer for Springfield Clinic. Springfield Clinic is like a, I think one of the largest independent medical providers in the country. I think we're the second biggest in Illinois. We are providing multi-specialty services. We have labs, radiology clinics, and then primary care, urgent care, and specialty clinics all around central Illinois. Very cool. Being that people are really interested right now in that outpatient care, I bet you guys are staying busy. So, But before we get into what you guys are up to at Springfield, Rolando, I just want to take a minute to get into your backstory. And before we get into that, I like to start the episode with one piece of actionable advice you might look to leave our listeners with today. I think we really need to make sure that we are listening that's one of the lessons that I learned later in life, that listening is as important as, was actually more important than speaking. And learning that lesson helped me a lot in all aspects of personal and professional as well. I have learned that even more having started a podcast, listening versus just waiting for my turn to talk or waiting to ask the next question so that in order to make it more of a dialogue and really engage, you have to be, you know, an active listener. So that's a great advice. Now, especially when you are leading an organization or I think as a leader, I think that's the best skill that you really need to 
lead effectively because it also reflects other things, right? When you are listening, it means you are humble. When you're humble, it creates a lot of behaviors that allows you to be a better leader. 100%. Yeah. And it creates that empathy that encourages people to want to follow you versus you managing them. Exactly. Yeah. So Rolando, let's get into a little bit about how you started out and how you came to become the, you know, CIO and chief transformation officer of one of the larger independent medical groups in the country. I'm a nurse. My professional training was nursing. I was a nurse for 17 years, but I also grew up in an entrepreneurial family where one of our business is technology. So we have like a technology integration company in the Philippines where we provide technology solutions to governments and businesses. So I have that background, you know, one earlier, even before I became a nurse, and then I became a nurse. And after 17 years, it happened at the height of the meaningful use mandate being implemented or something like that. And then I realized that not a lot of clinicians are also tech savvy. So at that point, there are no clinicians in IT, and that creates a lot of problems on our end because we are not being represented in the development of applications, workflows, and things like that. Although it is difficult for me to leave nursing because I really love being a nurse. I also believe that I can help more of my fellow nurses and eventually make it better for our patients. So I transitioned into the healthcare IT side of things. It took me five years to shake it off that I'm no longer a nurse because I always like working with people, talking with people and things like that. And all of a sudden, I'm in front of two monitors, right? So it took me a while to really shake it off that I'm no longer a nurse. You know, even these days, I still miss being a nurse because I think there's not a lot of professions in this world that will allow you to help somebody and earn a living. So I always like being a nurse because at the end of the day, I'm always sure that I did something right for somebody. That's how I got into healthcare IT. I had multiple roles in the past that leading to this position. And it's very helpful for me as well and for the organization I work for because I understand both sides of the business. Being a clinician, I understand the needs of my fellow clinicians, the doctors' behaviors, their culture, their workflow, and things like that. And also understanding the technical side of technology so I can really translate what those clinicians needs into a technical tools or a technology tools that really serves them. I think that's the combination of experiences really helped me to be more effective with what I do. Yeah, hundred percent. It's funny at my last event in December, we actually hosted a panel about ensuring that the nurse's perspective was included in developing digital strategy, just kind of exactly what you're saying. And I just had the opportunity actually to speak in DC. It was basically a forum promoting and scaling follow-up care for folks who had suffered from TBI because they would be in these acute care settings. If they didn't have a brain bleed or something that required kind of an immediate surgery or whatever, they'd be discharged and they would kind of float out into the ether and a lot of the times, six months, a year, two years down the line, many of them would actually start suffering from headaches, depression, 
you know, whatever it might be. And there was no, there's not a lot of institutions that have a well-formulated way to follow up a calculated way. And so with proper planning and technology, we can help facilitate that. But it was interesting because like this was a room full of academics and clinicians and a huge part of it is really advocating for that perspective and reaching across the aisle. I mean, and it really takes both the IT and digital team kind of extending their hand as well. And I found that the chief nursing information officer or folks in that role, if an organization has one, which many don't, right? The CMIO, them kind of advocating for the physician and working in conjunction with the CIO is crucial in order to create a great caregiver experience, a great patient experience, and really just from a, an efficiency standpoint for a health system or a healthcare provider, optimize efficiency and revenue. That's very cool. I mean, it's so cool that you have both those perspectives. So Rolando, along the way, what was one of the most important things that you learned? And this could be personally, professionally, or otherwise. And what was life like before learning it and after learning it? You know, as I mentioned before, one of the things that has really the biggest impact on me is really learning how to listen. It helped me a lot because, you know, before, you know, although, you know, I was raised in a very compassionate, kind environment with my family and things like that. So I have that foundation, but the dynamics of youth, when you're younger, you know, I mean, you tend not to listen and things like that. So eventually along the way, I realized that the more I listen, the more I become better as a person, as a professional. It also makes me a happier person. So even now, I'm still perfecting that skill of listening. And I still realize that the more I listen, the more it becomes better for me as a leader, as a person. I think that's the most significant lesson that I learned in my life. I'm still learning, but one of the biggest, I think. Well, I love that you mentioned that you're still learning because it speaks to that humility that you mentioned before. And the leaders that I admire most have that humility, the best leaders that I've seen. I've met a lot of you know, executives over the course of my career. So it's amazing that you're a proponent of that, particularly because in creating the type of innovation and transformation that a lot of healthcare providers are seeking nowadays, in my estimation, that kind of culture is actually required for it to be successful, or at least should be required. Because if you don't have that kind of feel that really trickles down throughout your team, people are on eggshells, people are afraid to speak up, people are fearful to fail because of what might happen to them. And it is prohibitive. It, it impedes progress. So kudos for being a proponent of that. I think it's crucial. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, in my career, I've had the opportunity to work with multiple healthcare organizations around the country. And I helped them implement their AHR or troubleshoot their failed implementations and things like that. So I've observed multiple behaviors or reasons for failure for these healthcare IT organizations. 
So what I did is I made a list of all those things. And then I promised myself that when I had the opportunity, when I have the opportunity to lead a team, I will never allow anybody on my team to experience those things. I've seen people who are hoarding information. I've seen leaders who act like they're gods, you know what I mean? That inaccessible for their people and things like that. I've seen a lot of behaviors that I think detrimental to an organization. So I promised myself when I had that opportunity, I will never let that happen to anybody in my team. Because I think the worst thing that can happen to anybody is to have a job that they hate coming to every day. I think that's the worst. And like I mentioned earlier about racing in a compassionate environment, I also became a nurse. So my currency is all about love, kindness, and respect. Even now, that's what I'm doing with my team. What I promised my team is, let's build the greatest IT department in the world. That's what we're going to do with a focus on making sure that you have the best environment to thrive. The way I see it is like, once you have a happy people, they will do everything that you don't need to ask them to do something. They will just do it and they will do it to the best possible level of outcome. That's how I see it. So Rolanda, what about one of your biggest challenges over the course of your life and maybe, or a time that you failed or something like that, that you took a really profound lesson away from that instance? I think the biggest challenge that I have is because, you know, I always believe that relationship is always like more, if you're trying to accomplish something, if you have a good relationship, you already accomplish like 80% of what you should do. But sometimes in my, because I always want to please everybody, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I always want to make sure that people are happier or months better when they interact with me before and after. So, but sometimes it also rears its ugly head because sometimes you focus on that relationship and ignoring the long-term benefit for the organization, right? Because I don't want to upset this person. My decision will be in a way tempered by that mindset that I want to maintain that relationship. So sometimes I make decisions that are biased towards that relationship over the welfare of the business or the organization. But I learned to Again, I promise myself, I want to stop doing that and start thinking about what's better for the long-term benefit of the business instead of the short-term benefit of maintaining that relationship. And it doesn't mean that I will be, you know, I will no longer aim for having that relationship or maintaining that relationship. I think I just need to be more, what you call this, more explicit in providing explanations on why I made this decision, why I want to do this. So I just want to make sure that the other person understands why I'm thinking this way. So I think by doing that, I will be able to prioritize what's beneficial for the business and then also maintaining that relationship. So far, that's the biggest challenge that I encounter being a leader because, you know, like I said, I'm a people pleaser in a way, right? I also learned that as a leader, I think I need to make it balanced. I get that totally. I identify with that. I've had instances where, you know, I've had to really work at, like, I'll talk to my business coach and like, oh, this person isn't delivering. And it's my responsibility to coach them and lead them. And, you know, it sounds like you're doing that. And then past that, if someone's not a fit where I 
I have the relationship. I want to keep that relationship. I also have to honor them by being direct and explicit, kind of like you mentioned. And in the long run, I've found that's good for that individual too, because if they're not in a role that suits them, really, it's almost like the universe just guiding them in the right direction. Even though it may be uncomfortable for me to do that, that is sometimes just what I need to do. So that's a great lesson. I think one thing that I always want to make sure every day, and I'm not sure if you met me, you will realize that I'm one of the happiest person that you will ever meet in your life. And the only reason for that is I always make sure that I have a clean heart and just good intention. So that's why I thought what I'm telling my team, you know, I might make a decision that doesn't seem fair for you or doesn't favor you and in the short term, but believe me. I'm making that decision because I need to make it, but I am making that with all the good intentions. I think that's one thing that helps me as well. Like you said, sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable, but if you have the pure intentions in your heart, I think it will be easier for you to make that decision. Huge. I love that you touched on intentions. I actually, I say that all the time, like to my peers or colleagues, like, did you check your intentions when they're vacillating on a decision or before making a decision, that's the key thing. It's almost like you can't go wrong if you check your intentions. You all, and that will also make you a happier person. 100%. I love that. Very cool. So Rolando, want to get into Springfield. Before we do, I like to ask our guests, favorite book or a literary piece, blog, either yeah. that you're reading now or all time, your choice. One of my favorite book is by Dale Carnegie book, like the old book. I actually have a copy here. I think that's an old book, but I think it transcends. It's still applicable today. And how to win friends and influence people. Yes. That one, in a way, changed my life. I think that's when I realized a lot of things. I even read it like almost every year. Isn't it? it helps me be reminded of what it is, you know, even just going to the chapters because each chapter has a lesson. So you just review it and things like that. But one of the biggest lessons I learned from that book is sometimes before you ask somebody to do something for you, maybe, or it's always better for you to do it for them first, do whatever they want first. And sometimes you don't need to ask what you want from them. They will just do it voluntarily. I think that's the biggest lesson in that book. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, that's I try to listen to that book fairly regularly myself. I have it on my Amazon account and same thing. I've found over the course of my career with the podcast, and it's crazy with my personal life and with business, the more that I can come from a place of service, right? And what can I offer? The more things seem to come around, especially if I'm doing it without expectation. Because if I'm doing it without expectation, you know, there's a chance that person doesn't do that thing and that's okay. Or I want it to be okay with me because otherwise it could lead to resentment for me if I'm expecting them to reciprocate. And it's also in regard to, we talked about intention. If my intention of doing something is so that somebody will do something for me, I don't know. For me personally, I've had to let go of that and just say like, I want to give of myself in the world. And then it just seems that if I do that, 
I'm taken care of. And I think if you ask me another, what you call this lesson in life that I learned is that the best thing that you can do for yourself is actually doing something for others. I think that that one also helped me a lot because, you know, I always try to find opportunity, how can help other people. That also helps me to be a happier person. Wherever I go, I always try to find opportunity. How can I make other people happier or better? Or I could make a joke and make them laugh or something like that. As a matter of fact, when I was a nurse, before I come into work, I always make sure that I have a joke for my patient. You know what I mean? When I'm checking their vital signs and things like that, I always tell them jokes and they laugh and, you know, I always want to do that. And any opportunity, there's always opportunity that we can do to serve other people, make other people better. I love that. It's amazing that you dedicated your life to something like that. And I agree, there's no greater joy. And in addition to that, as a human, I inevitably will get caught up in my own stuff, depending who knows what day it is, something happens. I'm living in fear of not getting what I want or losing what I have or whatever it might be. There is no better way for me to get outside of myself than helping someone else. I've found that that is the best way to alleviate thinking about myself is by helping someone else. And I also see it as, I think no matter how small we are, no matter who we are, we have a mission in this world. You know what I mean? If you don't see life that way, you will be in a way miserable. You know what I mean? That will be a meaningless light. That's why I see in my own little way, I always believe that I have a mission to do in this world. I didn't come here randomly. That's why I'm really doing it to serve other people because I believe that's my mission. It's amazing to see an IT digital leader with that kind of come from. Really refreshing. So, I, and I think that's a great transition into the work that you're doing at Springfield. So, maybe you could walk our listeners through your vision for the organization based on the overall, you know, mission of Springfield Clinics and maybe some of the key initiatives that you all are focused on. So, I think our eventual objective is for us as a department to make sure that. Our organization is leveraging technology effectively to allow us to enable our provider to provide the best care possible for our patients. Right now, what we're doing is like we are implementing, like I mentioned earlier, we are switching to a new EHR to allow us to provide the best possible experience for our providers so that they can also provide the best care possible. Because in one of my biggest problems before that's what prompted me to switch to IT is that I am not seeing like meaningful ways on how IT departments are really building those tools that effectively responds to our needs as clinicians. Let me give you an example. Like we've been collecting data for so many years. But I haven't seen a tool that utilizes those data at the point of care so I can provide better care to our patients. Like right now, most NHRs, you need to dig for data. 
you need to scroll like miles of vital signs just for you to digest those data. And healthcare is a knowledge-driven profession. We need those information for us to make decisions. But for whatever reason, I haven't seen an EHR yet that really allows the users of that application to come up with a better decision on how they can manage their patients. So I think that's what we're working on right now and making it easier for our providers so that they can provide better care to our patients and provide the capability to take care of more patients. That's what we're doing right now. So we're switching new AHR and we're also looking at this new AI technologies that can really prevent burnout from providers because I think that's a bigger issue right now. There's so many use cases for it that we're exploring as well. It's going to have a tremendous impact on healthcare. And I think that, or I know that ultimately it'll become seen as a tool, just like anything else that will just lift providers and administrators up to that next level of productivity and allow them just to be more engaged with the patient. And also, like you said, to reduce kind of that burnout of having to do a lot of the tasks that aren't life bringing for them. What about some of the biggest challenges that you guys are facing as an organization currently? You know, I think just like any organization, change management is always a challenge. You know, as we all know, all of us are always against changes. So that's the same. But I think we develop a really good framework in managing change. So because when we are looking at implementing things, I told my team, we don't need to read all these complicated books about digital transformation. We just need to look into ourselves, right? How do we want to be changed? How do we want to be transformed? So first, I need to understand, you know what I mean? What is this change for? What is it for me? For that to happen, I think we need to establish a good communication with our stakeholders, with our end users and things like that. And we need to have a good relationship with them because if I don't have a good relationship with the people who are implementing this change, why would I trust them and agree to make the change? I also need to learn how to use it, you know, how to use the application that they're implementing, right? I need to learn that. And for me to trust those people who are implementing it, I want to see that they really know what they're talking about. I think based on those premise, you know, I developed like four pillars of digital transformation that focuses on communication, relationship, and training, and improving the capability of our IT team. With communication, we implemented multiple programs to implement that bi-directional communication with our end users. So we developed this customer experience team that kind of interacts with our end users, our stakeholders, like clinics and things like that, to develop that communication and relationship. So we all focusing on education. So we're developing this platform so that we can create interactive trainings and things like that, because training itself is already boring, right? If you create that equally boring training material, nobody will learn from it. We focus on building like just-in-time education materials, interactive videos and things like that. So in short, we're focusing on building a really engaging training materials. 
And then we are also focusing on developing the internal capability of our team. So we're encouraging them to educate themselves, go to training, get certified and things like that. Because I think if we have all those four pillars in place, our end users will trust our team and in turn engage with the chains and accept the chains and things like that. But again, it's about looking at ourselves and how we do things. So we still use, in a way, self-awareness. I think it's been working really well, that framework that we developed. I've seen more what you call this openness to chains because of that. But at the same thing, we're also developing it. We are maturing it as we go along, but I think it's working out well. I think that having a framework is so crucial. A huge part of the work that we do with organizations nowadays is exactly that. It's organizational change management. We'll often come in and different stakeholders across the organization will have the idea of where they want to go. And certain business units or specialties might have, think they have slightly conflicting views of what it should look like. But upon further discussion, it's actually usually fairly, tracks fairly similarly. And really our job is to be that person in the middle who's translating the clinical aspirations, the digital aspirations into a language that everyone can get behind. And then obviously translating it into ROI that the executive team and the board can get behind. But it's funny because obviously we'll be the challenger when it comes to cutting edge technology or operational efficiency or areas that we can add value based on our experience. But a lot of the times we're just playing the role of putting our arms around everyone and kind of, yeah acting on those le levers that you mentioned. I love the four pillars that you mentioned because they're very similar to what we see necessary to be successful when trying to enact change within a large healthcare provider. Yeah. So, and, you know, in addition to those four pillars, I always make sure as well that from my end that I'm doing what I always call unrelenting persistence, you know, on those four pillars, I'm always make sure that I'm there pushing forward. Well, Whatever happened, I will be here. I will remind you, hey, here's our four fillers. We need to make sure that we are implementing this. So I think what I'm trying to say is it is very important for leaders as well to, to be always there. You know, I mean, I don't mean that they're micromanaging people, but you need to be there to continuously push for it. You know what I mean? And I think they call it like you need to inspect what you expect, right? So need to be there, keep pushing. And the next thing you know, it's already there. It happened. Love it. So Orlando, I have a couple more questions for you. One would be with an understanding that you don't have a crystal ball. Where do you see the healthcare industry going in the future? And or what do you think will be some of the biggest changes as time passes? I think it's funny because the other day, our chief technology officer reminded me that Hey, Rolando, you were right when you met me three and a half years ago. You told me that the future interaction with an application is through chat and voice dictation. So I demonstrated it to him three and a half years ago that this is going to be the future of interacting with the EHR, where I can just say, show me Rolando's x-ray and it will show up on my screen or show me Rolando's blood work or trend Rolando's HGBA1C. And it will be trended in front of me. 
So I, I demonstrated that to him like three and a half years ago, and he reminded me about it. But I never thought that this chat GPT will come. I just know, I just feel that I think this is going to be the future. I think that's the biggest change that will happen. And I think it's no longer a technology of the future. I think it's the technology of probably next month, right? Or the following, I think within this year or next year, we will see a significant change. And it's very helpful for the providers because one of the biggest challenges that I experienced with providers is them difficulty trying to learn the workflow, the user interfaces of different EHR and applications. But if you unify that within a chat-based interface where you can just dictate or type whatever you want, I think that's a game changer. So we're working with this vendor with Microsoft and Nuance with their DAX Express. I think that's a game changer. If you can capture your interaction with your patient and then provide additional dictation and come up with a note right after that interaction that I, as a provider, can just review and approve if I'm okay with it. I think that's a game changer that already solves what I mentioned earlier about physician burnout and things like that. And also the cost of transcription and coding. So I think that's the biggest change that will happen to healthcare. And I'm really very happy about that because I think the providers can now focus more on providing the human care to the patient, have more interaction with the patient than what they're doing right now, which is purely documentation. So I think that's the biggest change that will happen in the near future or maybe next year. And I think it's a game changer as well for us because it's going to change the way we interact with our data analytics team. You know what I mean? Seeing like Tableau's platform with AI. I think that's going to be, it's going to be a game changer for all aspects of our organization. Agreed. A hundred percent. So Rolando, last question we like to end on is if you could go back five, 10, or even 15 years in time, what advice would you give your younger self? I will still go back and tell myself, Rolando, you need to listen. I love it. I will tell him, Rolando, because I really wish I learned it earlier in life. I think I would be more happier earlier. If I can go back in time, I will tell the younger Rolando, Rolando, listening is more effective than speaking. I love the way you hammered that home. It's such a good one too. So. Rolando, it was an absolute pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Like I said, it's an honor to be here. For our listeners, thank you for tuning in and we will catch you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net.